Hey you, how are you? I hope you're doing great. I hope you're enjoying your summer. I hope you are staying cool because it is hot. OMG, today is a hot day. So I hope you're drinking your ice water. I hope you are licking your popsicles. I hope you're doing all the things, eating ice cream, doing all the things that let us know it's summer. Eat some fruit too, okay? Throw some grapes, some raspberries, some strawberries in there too. Um, watermelon, even though I can't stand watermelon. But anyway, if you like watermelon, eat some of that too. Just do all the things that are summer because, you know, soon we won't be able to do those things. Um, and I hope you are enjoying your summer. If you have kiddos like I do, I hope you're not pulling your hair out, okay? Because I know that it can be challenging trying to entertain children over a couple of months of summer. Um, but I hope you are hanging in there, keeping your hair follicles intact. Um, and if you don't have kids, maybe you're in school or you're out of school for the summer. Maybe you're taking summer classes. I hope you're doing something right that lets you know that it's summer, that tells your brain it's summer. Enjoy this sunlight while you have it. Take a walk, take a breeze, take a swim. Just do something, okay? Don't just be in a cubicle all day. Do something that tells your brain that it's summertime. Um, so yeah, we have been talking about who is God and we have reached the 10th and final episode. Come on, screen with me. Woo! 10th and final episode of Who is God? And tonight or today or this morning, whenever you're listening, we are going to round it up um, and, and, and just say a couple more things about who God is. I hope that throughout this series that you have seen God a little closer, that you've looked at him in ways that you haven't looked at him before, that this series has, has shed some light on um, maybe some dark areas, some shadows that you didn't know um, existed on who you thought God was or who you thought what you thought he did or why he did the things he did and all the the who what when whys about God I hope that this cleared up it cleared it up a little bit for you maybe not in every way though and I think I'd said this before when we started we're not meant to know everything right we know in part what he knows in full and that's the way he wants it um, but I do think that there are some things that the Lord would have us know and hopefully some of those things were revealed as we discussed in these 10 episodes. And if they were not, that's cool, too. Right. There are other mechanisms to get your questions answered. Like I, I always say, please send me an email, DM me on Instagram, Facebook. Let me know if there are things that I've said that don't quite make sense or didn't quite hit the nail on the head for you. I want to know um, and I want to be able to uh, I want an opportunity to clear it up. Right. Because I, I care that you understand. Um, but who is God is concluding today after today's episode. We're moving into an entirely new series and it's going to be a good one. So stay tuned for that one as well. We are nearing some very beautiful milestones with Already In You. We are six months in, right? We uh, started on December 1st and here we are at the beginning of June. And, and I am so proud of where we are. So grateful for you um, and everybody you tell to listen. I always say I have some walking commercials out there. You know who you are and I am so grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you again for everybody that you tell, everyone you encourage to tune in. It means the world to me and I am grateful. So thank you. Um, I had an opportunity to catch up with a friend 
who had who I've known for a long time, but we haven't been in contact in it's got to be 10, 11, 12 years now. And she hit me up on Facebook and then we we um, we talked over the phone over just just on two days ago and just talking about life and where we are now and how, you know, we're doing basically both doing great things, but in different places. And she was just encouraging me and telling me how much of a blessing this podcast has been to her. And she is now a pastor's wife. And, you know, she um, wants to share it with the, the, her, uh, her church as well. And so I, I just I say all that to say that I had no idea, right, when I started already in you, that it would be what it is right now. And we're only six months in. So I'm grateful. I keep saying that and I will keep saying it, that I'm grateful. So grateful, super grateful for you, um, for all the people that are tuning in, for all the people that message me, that text me, that let me know what a blessing this podcast is to them. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you. And like I said, we are nearing some great milestones and you will see them on Instagram, on Facebook and on all the places where I am. So if you're not following me, please follow me um, on Instagram. Follow me, um, um, friend me rather um, on Facebook and let's keep the conversation going even when we're not talking through the podcast. All right. So who is God? Part 10. We left off yesterday, yesterday. I didn't see you yesterday. Hello. We left off last episode talking about the problem, right? The problem being that prior to the gift, what we had to do as believers was sacrifice and keep on sacrificing. Um, I don't know how many, I mean, listen, all the, the cattle of the world would be extinct. Hello? If we still had to find sheep and cows and oxen and turtle doves and doves and all these other things to sacrifice in atonement for our sins. Don't you think so? There would be no sheep left. Okay, we would have obliterated all the poor little lambs of this world just because that's how much sin we have on us. Not even just the fact that there are 7 billion people on on this planet right now. Um, And granted that all of them are not believers, right? All of them would not be sacrificing. But even if it was just a million, even if it was just a million, uh, excuse me, a billion of us on the planet that were believers, and the number is more than that. But even if it was just a billion of us believers sacrificing on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, there would be very little cattle left for us to sacrifice because of the number of people, but more so because of the number of sins, right? Last last episode, I told you that in a matter of 60 seconds, I could sin three different times, all in my mind. So how many animals am I going to kill? in order to get back in right standing with the Lord. We talked about the burnt offering, the grain offering, the drink offering, the fellowship offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, and so many other offerings that are outlined for us in the book of Leviticus. All these offerings that we would have had to make to to the, that we would have had to make to the Lord in order to absolve us of our sins. 
Because even from the foundations of the earth, it was known that forgiveness could not be achieved with empty hands. So we've known that forgiveness has never been free. And a lot of people want to tell us that forgiveness is free today, but it's not. Forgiveness wasn't free then. And I'm telling you also that forgiveness is not free today. But at a point, it became very obvious that animals were insufficient. Why? Because I choose the animal. The animal doesn't say, I don't go to the shop. And and the animal comes to me and and is like, yeah, you know what? I see you're a good person and uh, I'm willing to put my life down so that you can be absolved of your sins. No, no, no. We go to the butcher, right? And I pick that one. Does it got? Does it have any spots? Mm-mm. Under his belly, nothing cool. Uh, was his mother sick that you know of? Was his father sick that you know of? Good. Is it a? Is it a perfect animal in every way that we can define a perfect animal to be? Yes. Wonderful. I want that one. Go ahead and tie that thing up for me, and we're going to the Mount of Olives. I just pulled that out and I'm going to sacrifice it, right? Because over the past couple of days, I've done X, Y, and Z. And that's what the priest told me I needed to do. Animals don't volunteer. I choose the animal. Animals also are amoral. They don't have a connection with the father. They don't, they don't, again, they don't have a conscience to say, I'm going to help you Absolve yourself of your sins. And then one of the biggest reasons why the whole the whole setup of sacrifice was never going to work is because it's finance focused and not heart focused. It's all about your money. So imagine, imagine if anybody outside of middle class to upper middle class to rich would have a very hard time ridding themselves of their sins. Why? Because these animals were not cheap. Right? Just like you go to the Walmart today and you're looking for a steak and you are appalled by the prices. Inflation is ridiculous. And just imagine what that would look like if you needed the whole animal. And it's not even like you need the whole animal and it's going to be cut up and put in your freezer in chunks and pieces. No, no, no. I need the whole animal and it's going on the altar and it's going to be engulfed in flames and what's left is for the priest. It's not for me and it's not for you. So imagine that cost. I can't even eat it. Right? When you go to the store today and you buy $30 of lamb, At least you know what's going on your grill, going in your stomach, hello? And you're going to enjoy it if you eat lamb. But this, I'm buying a lamb and I'm not going to necessarily enjoy any part of it other than the fact that now I know that I'm back in right standing with the Lord because something has died. So animals were very much finance focused and not heart focused. It was all about what I could afford. If I can afford to, 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 to purchase a couple of uh, uh, animals, then I might, you know, cause that's just how we are as humans. Then I might not really care about being on my P's and Q's on what I'm doing and what I'm not doing, 
right? Oh, I'm not supposed to um, cut my beard. I'm trying to think of some Old Testament stuff. I'm not supposed to cut my beard. Well, it's getting a little long and it keeps getting stuck. So I'm going to go ahead and cut it because, you know, I got a raise this week and I can afford to just go ahead and ask the Lord for it to forgive me real quick. So, you know what? I'm going to just, do you see what I'm saying? That's, that would have been the, the, the process, the thought process. So it's a more for the animal, but it's also a more for us. Because now it's not about my heart and about me being broken and torn about the things that I've done, the sins that I've fallen into, the sins that I've willingly walked into. Now it's all about, oh, well, I can afford it this week. So I got paid. So I don't even have to be all extra careful, right? I could be a little bit slick and sly this week. Why? Because I have a little extra money. So animals were never going to work. And, and the beautiful thing about it is this. The Bible tells us, and we're going to get into the scripture in a minute. The Bible tells us that the law could not make perfect because it in itself was not perfect. And what isn't perfect cannot beget perfection. Hello? The law was the Lord and man's attempt, right? To keep us as close to what we needed to be without perfection itself. So when you look at the law, and I'm not talking about the word, I wanna be really careful there. The law and the word are two totally different things. So I'm not talking about the word, I'm talking about the law, rules, the regulations that preceded Christ. When you look at those things, it was an attempt to keep us walking the straight and narrow as closely as we could without perfection personified in Jesus Christ. So what wasn't perfect could not make us perfect because imperfection cannot beget perfection. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 22 tells us without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and its guilt nor the remission of the due and merited punishments for sin. So in other words, without blood, there is no forgiveness. And so now I want to read something in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm reading from verse one all the way to verse 18. So I know this is a long reading. So, okay, get ready. Like we always do get ready for the long reading. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse one to 18. And this is what it says for since the law, has merely a rude outline foreshadowing of the good things to come instead of fully expressing those things. It can never by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year make perfect those who approach its altars. For if it were otherwise, would these sacrifices not have stopped being offered? Since the worshipers had once for all been cleansed, they would no longer have any guilt or consciousness of sin. But as it is, these sacrifices annually bring a fresh remembrance of sin to be entered into the world, to be atoned for rather, because the blood of bulls and goats is powerless to take sins away. Hence, when he Christ entered the world, he said, 
sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but instead you have made ready a body for me to offer. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no delight. Then I said, Behold, here I am, coming to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the volume of the book. And when he said, when he said just before, you have neither desired nor have you taken delight in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, all of which are offered according to the law. Verse 9, he then went on to say, Behold, here I am, coming to do your will. Thus, he does away with and annuls the first and former order as a means of expatiating sin. So that he might inaugurate and establish the second, latter order. And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once and for all of the body of Christ Jesus, the anointed one. Furthermore, every human priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which never are able to strip from every side of us the sins that envelope us and take them away. Whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins that shall avail for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, then to wait until his enemies should be made a stool beneath his feet. For by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. And also, the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this. For having said, this is the agreement, the testament, the covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after these days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their heart and I will inscribe them on their minds, on their innermost thoughts and understanding. He then goes on to say, and their sins and their law breaking, I will remember no more. And verse 18, now where there is absolute remission and forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of these sins and the law breaking, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. Now I know that was a lot, right? And if you have a minute and some time later on, read that for yourself and literally break it down verse by verse because I could spend another 10 episodes just in this um, just in this scripture alone, but we won't. Couple things I want to point out to you here. Remember we're asking ourselves who is God and we're talking about his plan from the creation of the world up until now. And the Bible tells us for, and remember what I said just before this, I said that the law could not make perfect, right? Because the law in and of itself is not perfect. And that's reference. And that's the evidence of that is right here. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse one, for since the law has merely a rude outline of the good things to come. Right. If you read that in the New King James Version or even King James Version, the Bible says that it is just a shadow of the things to come for a foreshadowing of the good things to come instead of fully expressing those things. So basically what the Bible is telling us here is that the law could not make perfect because it wasn't perfect. Like I just said, 
The law is merely a shadow of the good things to come and not an expression or a full depiction of those good things. So I want you to think to yourself, what is the shadow versus the actual thing? If I go into a wedding dress shop, right, and a mannequin has on a beautiful dress in the mirror, excuse me, in the front, right, uh, what is it called, the display, in the front. So before I even walk into the store, I see this mannequin wearing a beautiful dress that I want to try on. And I get into, and it's a beautiful sunny day, and I get into the bridal boutique and the dress is on the mannequin right and we're waiting i'm looking and i'm like okay i think i want to try this dress on try the dress on it's gorgeous you know all the oohs and ahs we say yes to the dress and all that and it's time to buy the dress and i go look at the price of the dress and it's way out of budget okay let's just say i wanted to spend 3k on a dress and this dress is 10K. What do I do? I could cry, right? I could be mad at the lady for not telling me that this is way out of my budget. Um, would I say, oh, well, give me the shadow cast by the sun of the dress, right? Because there is a picture of the dress on the floor because the sun is shining. I could say to the to the to the to the agent, could you box up the shadow? And she would look at me like I'm crazy. Because that doesn't make sense. Now, the shadow gives me a picture of the dress. Yes, it's a nice photo op, all that good stuff. Wonderful. But I can't wear the shadow. I cannot walk down the aisle in the shadow. Because then everybody's running out the the, the sanctuary. Out the sanctuary because I'm naked. Hello? I can't wear a shadow. In the same way, the shadow of the law, is, it, it, it gives me a picture of it, right? It gives me an understanding of, of maybe how the dress might look and how the dress looks under the sun and how big the skirt is and all these other things. And, 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 and it doesn't even have to be just an example of a dress. A shadow of a tree will provide me shade. Won't it? Yes, it will. It will give me a little reprieve from the sun. But I dare you to try to chop up the shadow and throw it into your fireplace. Because you need heat in the winter. Is that shadow going to do anything for you? No, it's not. So does the shadow give me something? It does. It gives me a reprieve from the sun. But does the shadow give me everything that the tree can give me? It does not. Because I can't cut up the shadow and burn it for, 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 for warmth. Right? I can't cut up the shadow and cook over the flames that the shadow was offering me. No, I can't. So the shadow is good for something, but it's not good for everything. So when the Bible tells us that the law is merely a shadow, that's the, the picture that I want you to begin to think about. The shadow works for some things, but it doesn't work for everything. So the law, not the word, the law. The law works for some things, but it doesn't work for everything. And when you look at the law, right, the, 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 the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, when you look at that, I want you to see, yes, it is a portion of the word, but it is more so the law. 
And while the law has its benefits, I am not telling you to rip those pages out and throw them away. The law has its benefits, but it is merely a foreshadowing. It is a shadow of the goodness of the word. Just a shadow. And then when you get to verse 6, the Bible says that the Lord says, Behold, here I am coming to do your will, O God. Again in verse 19, Behold, here I am coming to do your will. Remember what I told you. God the Father is the master planner. So whose will is he doing? He's doing the will of the Father. The one whose plan it was from the creation of the world. Here I am coming to do your will, O God. And then the Bible tells us in verse 12, whereas this one Christ, after he had offered the single sacrifice, which is himself. So now we've seen the plan of God the Father being acted out by God the Son. And then when you look down to verse 15, and also the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us. Now the Holy Spirit takes it further and he administers the plan. You see right here, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all together weaved in and out of this plan. So you cannot separate all the Godhead from the plan. You see all three of them at work right here. And then when you look at verse 11, the Bible tells us that every human priest stands ministering daily. I want you to think about that. Can you imagine if you were a priest back in the days of, of offerings? And family after family, person after person, trucking in and trucking out, offering their sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. Can you imagine what that would look like? Just like the preacher, the pastor, the evangelist, the, the reverend, the bishop at your church stands to give the word unless they're unable to, right? Majority, 99% of all clergy stand to give the word right and I want you to think about a priest who has to stand as families truck in and they truck out hey I'm giving a turtle dove today because of this 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 and this hey I'm giving a ram today because of this 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 and this hey you know what we actually really big messed up big we messed up big so here's an oxen and he has to stand and stand. I would imagine he starts at sunup and he doesn't get to stop until sundown. And I would imagine what his back might feel like, what his feet might feel like. And so when, when the writer of Hebrew, Hebrews is saying that every human priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over, which are never able to strip from every side of us, the sins that envelope us and take us away. I want you to imagine the turmoil 
the back achingness of those priests and what it must have felt like to stand and minister day after day. You here again? You just gave a turtle dove yesterday. Why are you now here again? You didn't learn your lesson? Can you imagine what that would feel like as a priest? Not only because I can't even sit down, but because you're here again and I'm annoyed. I don't want to see you again for another three weeks at least. But it's been three days and I'm looking at your face again with the same offering. So when you read this verse, that's what I want you to see. But then, right, verse, verse 12 says, Whereas the one Christ, after he offered a single sacrifice, sat down at the right hand of God. So I want you to see the juxtaposition he's trying to present here. The priest is toiling day after day after day over sacrifices that do not actually cleanse. Standing on his feet, ministering in the house of God. And then Jesus comes and the Bible says he offers himself one sacrifice, a single sacrifice for our sins for all time. And then he sits down at the right hand of God. And I want you to remember what we talked about at the beginning. Remember when I told you that God rests on the seventh day he Rested After Jesus gave his offering, the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of God, which speaks to us of the completion of the perfection of the finality in his offering. He sat down. He rested because there was no more work to be done. And I want to speak to somebody out there who is toiling under this idea that I got to work hard to make myself righteous, to make myself fit. And let me remind you what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 says, the work has been completed. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. So in the beginning, we see God resting after seven days of work, right? Now we see Jesus resting after that one incomplete offering. Soon we will see Holy Ghost rest after Jesus comes back. And Holy Ghost no longer has to remind us of sin. Right? We were not created to toil and toil under this idea that I have to work for my perfection. Because that work has already been done. Hello? When he said it is finished... He wasn't joking. He wasn't being cute. He wasn't trying to say, oh, you know, now I can just be, be easy. No, when he said it was finished, he meant that thing. It is finished. We no longer have to toil and toil and, 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 and work just to be absolved of sins. It is finished. When he offered himself, that strife went away. And just like God rests, just like Jesus sat down and he is resting, I'm telling you, sit down and rest. Does that mean you don't have to be on your P's and Q's and making sure you're not falling into sin? That's not what I'm saying. 
But I am saying the work and the turmoil of trying to attain righteousness has already been done. It is finished. So when we're looking at the cross, which was the plan of God the Father all this while, which was carried out by God the Son, and continuously is administered by the, the Holy Ghost, I want you to understand that that's the perfect offering. And that's what separates the law from the word. It is Jesus. Once he made one sacrifice for all our transgressions, for all, not just for all the transgressions, but also for everyone. No one is disqualified. The gift he gave that day on that cross is for you and it is for me. And while there is no cost, while there is no cost, as in, I'm not telling you to go withdraw 3K from your account so that you can get this gift, right? There is no cost. It is still not free. Because to say that it's free is to say that it didn't cost anyone anything. So no, we are not being asked to pay for this gift, but it definitely cost someone their life. And that cost was paid. The perfect sacrifice by perfection to perfect imperfect me. That's the cross in nine words. The perfect sacrifice by perfection to perfect imperfect me. The price was paid by the sinless son of God who willingly took your place and willingly took my place. And not only did he sacrifice once on the cross, he sacrificed twice. He first sacrificed his heavenly status to become human. And then he sacrificed his life to pay a debt that I could never pay. The gift he's given us has to be accepted and received by faith. And that gift can be yours today. Okay? Listen, I want you to know that in all this understanding of who God is what I really want you to see is his plan he had a plan from the creation of the world up until today June 2022 or whatever day you are listening from the creation of the world until today that day this was his plan And the gift he's offering can be received by all at any moment of any time. So let me encourage you not to wait. If you don't know him, 
if you've never said yes to him, if you've been running away from him or you once were with him and you've since left him, let me encourage you today to get back in right standing with him. Let me encourage you today to receive the gift that he's given. It's no cost to you, but it's not free. He paid for it long time ago, but you still have to receive it by faith. And if today is your day, hello, let me tell you that all you have to do is say, Lord, I accept the gift that you're given. I know that I haven't been doing what you would want me to do. I was created for a greater purpose than what I'm living. And I know that. And so today, I accept the gift of your life being taken away from you on a cross for my sins. And I receive in place of my life, your life. And that's it. If you have said those things and you meant them, it's not in the words, okay? That's another difference between the law and the word. It's not in the words that you're saying. It's in whether or not they're resonating with you from the inside out. I could say those words all day. Lord, you know, yeah, I, I, my bad. I'm so sorry for the life I've been living and da-da-da-da-da and I'm going to do better, Right? We could say those words all day and then not do a single thing. How many resolutions have you actually done? And here we are halfway through the year and a lot of us have not, we don't even know what we wrote. Hello? We don't even know half of what we wrote on our New Year's resolutions list. So that just goes to show that words are different. It's not just in the words, but are they resonating with you on the inside? Are you truly saying, Lord, I see. I see that from the creation of the world, you had a plan. And I'm in that plan, but I'm not walking in it. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus said, behold, here I am to do your will. And it's our turn to say that to God the Father. Behold, here I am to do your will. Not necessarily in giving up our lives in the same way that he did, but in giving up our lives in a different way to say, Lord, take my life and do with it what you will. I don't belong in the driver's seat. I want you to be my Lord. And if I call you Lord, then that automatically puts me in second place. And Lord, I'm okay with second place. And if you said those things today and you have believed them, then let me be the first one to welcome you to the kingdom of God. You are now my brother. You are now my sister. And I love you with all my heart. Welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome, welcome, and welcome again. If you have made that decision today, I want to talk to you. I want to reach out to you. Please send me an email at ifadalreadyinyou.com. Follow me on Instagram and send me a DM. Do something. Reach out to me in some kind of way because I would love, love, love 
to talk to you. You have just made the best decision you will ever make in your life. And as someone who's been walking with the Lord for a couple years now, I can tell you that my life has never been the same. That literally was the best decision I ever made. And I do not regret making it. So if you made that decision today, welcome to the best parts of your life. And I mean that thing. So please reach out to me and let me know. And I want you to please, please, please. We have concluded who is God. We've talked about his plan. And and that literally is the end of who is God, at least for these um, episodes. And I want you to do me a favor, right? Re-listen to this series. Not all in one day. I know it might take a minute. Listen to it again and again. Reacclimate yourself with who God is, with what his plan was, with why he's doing the things that he's doing. And I guarantee you it will give you a different outlook of your life, of what this world looks like, of why it looks like the way it looks. And it will let you know that there is a plan behind all of this. And while we may not know the plan, which is cool, he, he, he shields us from some of those things for a reason. As long as you and I know that there is a reason and that reason is him, that's all we have to know. So listen again, we're gonna take a break um, at least two weeks, but it may be more. Um, let me just say two weeks for now. We're going to take a two week break um, between now and the beginning of the story of the next series. So take a moment and listen again. Listen to episode three, episode six, episode nine, and reacclimate yourself with God and who he is and why he's doing the things he's doing. Remember, all you need for life and godliness has been given to you. It's already given. It's already yours. It's already in you. I love you plenty. Thank you.